Ministries podcast. This is Jared Free, and I am bringing you the subject of signs. Signs is um, it's actually a sermon that I preached back on August 20th, 2017. So I'm going to kind of infuse that today uh, with the subject line of signs because we're seeing a lot of things happening that God is allowing to happen and what God is doing uh, as far as signs go. So uh, bear with me on this. This is an exciting time to be a Christian. It has been an exciting time to be a Christian. And it was actually a year ago, almost perfectly a year ago to today, that I brought this message. So God is bringing this on my heart. I want to bring this into a podcast for you. And I want to see if I can get you to to see some things that I've seen. And I believe that God is speaking to me about. So we're going to be going through the book of Jonah, chapter 1, Jonah 1 through 3, actually. And I believe that what happened on August 21st, 2017, with the solar lunar eclipse, um, was significant. I believe that God made that happen for a reason. I believe it set up for a shift in humanity, and it also set up for a shift in the return of Jesus. Now, I want you to notice a key location. Since we're speaking of Jonah, we need to speak of a key location that Jonah went to, and that was Nineveh. So the location of Nineveh in today's age is actually Mosul. And it was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. And it was the most wicked city in the world. So we look at this on Nineveh and the significance in our day and age. If you you don't know, a couple years back, the United States and Iraq were fighting for control of Mosul against ISIS. They were fighting for control, and it kept going back to the United States and Iraq and, you know, our allies, and it kept going back to ISIS. It kept getting retaken, kept getting retaken uh, by the enemy, and then we would retake it again. The enemy would take it. Mosul was a key factor in our day and age, and I believe it has a key factor in what is going on spiritually in our lives today. How many of you believe that physical attributes of what is happening in our lives can actually proclaim or portray a spiritual aspect of life by signs and and wonders? I believe that there are physical things that happen in life that actually set up for the spiritual. I believe it. Because the reason why I say that is, is that some people that don't believe in the spiritual sense, they see what is happening. If they could see it, then they could believe it. And if there is a fight happening for Mosul, which is Nineveh, the most wicked city in the world at one point in time, then maybe there's a spiritual warfare going on for a fight because of something so significant that's about to happen. I believe this. So Jonah 1 says, The Lord sent this message to Jonah, the son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and give them this announcement from the Lord. I am going to destroy you, for your wickedness rises before me. It smells to the highest heaven. So now we know that Nineveh is so wicked that God even smells it, and he's ready to destroy it. He's ready to destroy it. I mean, knowing our today age, today's age right now, that wickedness is running rapid, rampant in our world today. It is running so rampant that I'm pretty sure God could smell it right now. But God's being patient. He's being patient. 
And I'll tell you why he's being patient here in a minute. It says, but Jonah was afraid to go and ran away from the Lord. If we look at this closely, this is actually a command that doesn't mirror the Great Commission, but the first part of the Great Commission is here. Go into Nineveh compared to go into all the world. The difference is there. The difference is that there is no gospel to preach because Christ's death has not been fulfilled. The message that was being sent was repentance. Yes, that's the message today through Christ and through his death, burial, and resurrection that we are all allowed to repent. But it was a little different back in the day where God would cast judgment on people. So God calls Jonah to, number one, go. He calls Jonah to go, which I'm going to tell you he's calling us to go into the world. Then he says, number two, spread the word to a wicked, unrighteous world. Doesn't this sound familiar? Is this not what Christ has commanded us to do? To go and spread his word to a wicked, unrighteous world? It sounds to me that Jonah's day and age is actually catching up with our world today. That's what it sounds to me. It's very interesting. Because Jesus said the days of Jonah. But you see, Jesus spoke of the days of Jonah. But how many of us have been called from God to go and ran from him because we were afraid? I know I have. But as we continue to read through chapter 1, we find that Jonah went to a port and found a ship leaving. We find that the Bible records Jonah's intention was to hide from God. How many of you know that you can't hide from God? There's just no way. If you keep reading, we find that God had flung a huge storm, possibly a hurricane, that was threatening them to destroy the boat and crew. Notice I said a hurricane. It caused them to fear for their lives. The crew was frightened and started to call out to their gods for help, trying to make the boat lighter. This is what we read in Jonah. There, Where was, where was Jonah during this time? Jonah was asleep. He was asleep. Verse number 6 records the captain saying to Jonah, Are you serious? How can you sleep at a time like this? Call to your God and see if he will have mercy on us and save us. After this, we find that nothing was working. No God was saving them. So a thought came to the crew. Let's draw straws to see which person on the boat had offended the gods and brought on the terrible storm. In this, we find that Jonah had drawn the short straw and by drawing the short straw, it was on. Jonah already knew that God had already called his bluff. They looked at him and they said, What have you done to bring this awful storm upon us? Who are you? What is your work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? They are drilling into Jonah right now. They literally believe that Jonah came in and brought this curse upon them. The storm. And Jonah says, all right, we got it. He said, I am a Jew. I worship Jehovah, the God of heaven, who made the earth and the sea. And he told them and said, I was running away from the Lord. Right now, Jonah's getting into repentance mode. The men were terribly frightened when they heard this. Oh, why did you do it? They shouted. 
what should we do to you to stop the storm? For it is getting worse and worse. Jonah at this point said, you know what, just throw me out to the sea. It will become calm again, for I know the terrible storm has come because of me. They refused to do it, and they tried harder to row the boat ashore, which is in verse 13, but couldn't make it. The storm was too fierce to fight against. Then they shouted out a prayer to Jehovah, Jonah's God. Oh, Jehovah, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin, and don't hold us responsible for his death. For it is not our fault you have sent us this storm upon for your own good reasons. At this time, they felt inclined. They picked up Jonah and threw him overboard into the raging sea, and the storm stopped. See, at this time, when they obeyed Jonah, I believe this is a word from the Lord that he gave Jonah. I firmly believe this, and I'll tell you why. Because verse number 16 says, The men stood there in awe before Jehovah, and they sacrificed to him and vowed to serve him. Only the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit can change a situation like that to get a whole bunch of people to serve God. Wow, that's amazing. They threw a man overboard, the sea calmed, and they, they are now serving God the Father as God of their lives. And they vowed to serve him. It's amazing how God works. Verse number 17. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. A couple keys that we have to remember in scripture that we can apply to our lives. That we apply to our lives right now. Number one, you cannot hide from God. You can't do it. Everybody tries to hide from God. You can't hide from him. It's impossible. If you think, number two, if you think that God cannot use you, you are wrong. For he even used the fishermen that didn't know him or Jonah. He used them and didn't even realize it. Number three, when God is in your life, people will notice. Always show the example of God being in your life. Number four, fishermen's lives were changed due to the power of God calming the storm. Due to the power of God calming the storm. Fishermen's, people's lives were changed at this moment in time, right now, with the signs and wonders that God showed through a storm and peace made it steal. So let's go to Jonah number two while Jonah is actually inside the fish. He's praying to God inside the fish. Verse number two. Jonah chapter two, verse number two. In my great trouble I cried to the Lord and he answered me from the depths of, the, uh, from the depths of death. I called and Lord, you heard me. You threw me in the ocean depths. I sank into the floods of the waters. It was covered by your ocean depths. I sank down into the floods of waters and was covered by your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, O Lord, you have rejected me and cast me away. How shall I ever again see your holy temple? I sank beneath the waves and death was very near. The waters closed above me. The seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains that rise from the ocean floor. 
I was locked out of life and imprisoned in the land of death. But, O Lord, my God, you have snatched me from the yawning jaws of death. When I had lost all hope, I turned my thoughts once more to the Lord, and my earnest prayer went to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods have turned their backs on all the mercies waiting for them from the Lord. Does this not sound familiar in our day and age today? Those who worship false gods have turned their backs on all mercies waiting for them from the Lord. Jonah goes on to say, I will never worship anyone but you, for how can I thank you enough for all you have done? I will surely fulfill my promises, for my deliverance comes from the Lord alone. Jonah is inside this nasty, stinky well with all these distractions about him, probably water gushing everywhere, nasty food, nasty feces, whatever you could think of. And what Jonah is doing right now is, in the midst of everything that has happened, he is focusing on what God can do and not what he wants to do. Now he's focusing on what God wants him to do. And when he did this, when he repented and he did this, at this point that Jonah had repented for his disobedience, God spared his life by ordering the fish to spit up Jonah on the beach. And it did. I kind of think about the cartoon characters whenever things happen. I could see a cartoon fish spitting Jonah out, and he doing a big old fly all, you know, maybe a couple feet, a couple yards out of the ocean, in the air, and all of a sudden splatting on the beach. I could see that face first, flat on the beach, leaving an impression of his body in the sand. I could kind of see that. But all joking aside, Jonah repented. And he turned his thoughts to the Lord. See, God had taken him from the jaws of death and gave him life. Jonah 3. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah again. Go to that great city, Nineveh. He said, and warn them of their doom as I had told you before. So Jonah obeyed and went to Nineveh. After that one day, Nineveh repented of their sin. Many know the story of Jonah and Nineveh from the Bible, but not the historical background events as to what already transpired and why they repented. An archaeological find of cuneiform tablets was found in the 19th century describing events in Nineveh. What it found is astonishing to me before Jonah arrived in Nineveh. What I found was astonishing to me that God used Something before Jonah arrived to tell the people that my word is coming and take heed to my word. That archaeological find, the events that happened in Nineveh, I want you to understand this, is a famous eclipse mentioned in the tablets was known as the Ben Sargal. Sargale eclipse, which is verified by NASA as occurring on June 15, 763 B.C., before Christ. The path of totality was right over Nineveh. God had declared the sun and the moon were for signs in Genesis 1.14. Then God said, let there be light bearers, the sun, the moon, and the stars, in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be useful for signs or tokens of God's provident care and for marking seasons, days, and years. That comes out of the Amplified Version. 
Now the Ninevites saw the wrath of God coming even before Jonah arrived a couple months later. When Jonah arrived, they were already ripe for repentance because of the signs that God had gave in the sun of an eclipse. God had already been working as Jonah was running. God knew what was going to happen. He knew the day that it would happen. He knew the repentance that would come. And he also knew the sign he would send while he was dealing with Jonah. Because don't you know that a messenger that goes off needs to be right with God before God can really use him? Am I saying that God doesn't use people that aren't messengers from him or God doesn't use his people that aren't his? Absolutely. God has used people that are not of God a lot. A lot. And I just want to sit here and really grasp the concept of this eclipse before Jonah got there. This is the miracle work of God. And yet Jonah probably didn't even know this. But when he rolled up into that city and gave that message, repent. They were already ready to do it and they did it in one day. I'd like to share with you a word that God gave me on Wednesday, August 17th. Three days, four days before this solar eclipse happened on August 21st. August 17th, the Lord, I felt as though the Lord had a word as I was meditating on the cause to the eclipse on the Monday that was coming. I was wondering what the significance of this eclipse was. What is the, the meaning of this eclipse? Because there's got to be something that is a meaning to what this event is going to take place. There has to be a meaning to it. God is not allowing it just to happen just for people to stargaze. So I was just sitting there at lunch. I'm looking. I'm thinking about this. And I felt as though the Lord said this to me. And he says this. The solar eclipse is by my hands. The stars are by my hands. The signs are by my hands. The signs are coming and they cannot be manipulated by anyone or anything to falsify my existence. I alone will cause these signs. Credit cannot and will not be taken from those who are against me, for I control all of creation. This is no coincidence. Open your eyes, for when these signs take place, look up. Your redemption is drawing closer and closer. These signs are going to happen. Do not lose focus. Do not fear, for God is with you. These signs will happen, not just for the blind, but for my people. I want my people to get right with me. I want a righteous people. In an uncertain world, I alone is what is going to bring certainty. Some will be more in awe about the signs in the heavens and lose focus, but instead, when you see these signs, focus on me more than more for this is my unmistakable work for one purpose, not the purpose of amazement or a show, or to even show us I am God. My people already know this, that I am God. My purpose for these signs is to make sure you are ready. Saints of God rejoice for your God is making sure his people are ready to go home by signs, wonders, and miracles. He's showing to us to sit here and say, get ready. It's time to pack up our bags and it's time to go. 
These signs are happening for a reason, and God is saying to his people that he's, get ready, be ready. It's time to be ready. It's time to have your heart right. Rejoice, for God is making sure his people are going to go home. How many of us as parents remember the trips on vacations with your children, or remember them waking up in the car somewhere, and they said, Dad or Mom, are we there yet? How many of us parents remember the days of warning your children when they are making mistakes before we punish them? God is doing the same thing. How many of us know that we are in the image of God? We are made in his image. How he treats us is how we should treat our children. With love enough for us to teach and guide our children to prosperity and success. I believe Father God is doing the same thing with us as his children. He is telling us to get ready. He is telling us to get packed. He is telling us to get ready to go. He's telling us to have our faith ready. He's telling us that he is coming soon. And he wants us to be ready by these signs and wonders that he is sending. I am so excited about what God is doing. And this word that God has given me is for all to hear. Get ready, for Jesus is about to return. God is doing the same thing with us as his children. We keep asking him, are we there yet? And the answer is always, are we there yet? And it's always, we're not there yet. I believe he has given us a sign for his children that it won't be long before we are home. It won't be long. Luke 21, 25 and 26 in the NIV. There will be signs of the sun, the moon, and the stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. Men will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaking. Another significance of this eclipse starts on the Jewish Elul, or day of repentance. For centuries, one particular day has signified repentance for God's, God's people. It had deep meaning for Jonah, it had deep meaning for Moses, it had deep meaning for Jesus Christ, and it has deep meaning for us. And this year, August 21st, is the first of Elul on the biblical calendar, contains a critical message for American Christians, as it will be the date of a total solar eclipse that will traverse the entire United States. August 21st, 2017 was a date of a total solar eclipse that... I believe, traversed the entire United States. Is it a coincidence? Not likely, contended Pastor Mark Blitz in a recent appearance on the Jim Baker Show. He says this. He says, we are about to enter the month of Elul, Blitz said. And it just so happens that Elul was the month of repentance. It was on Elul 1 that Jonah left for 40 days to tell Nineveh to repent. It was on Elul 1 that Moses went up to Mount Sinai after the sin of the golden calf trying to make atonement while Israel was repenting for that. It was on Elul 1 where Jesus went out into the wilderness for 40 days, coming out on Yom Kippur. Elul 1 starts the month of repentance, and to have the solar eclipse happening at this time, it is of huge significance that God is doing something big in our world. Other signs, Jesus is coming again. It's in the Bible, John 14, 2-3. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not show, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Men posing as Jesus will try to deceive people in the last days. It's in the Bible. Mark, or Matthew 24, 23-24. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it, for false Christ and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles to deceive even the elect, if that were possible. Ladies and gentlemen, I have one more thing that I would like to tell you about prophets. Be very careful of who you call a prophet or who they call themselves prophets. 
we need to be very careful of who calls themselves a prophet or who calls them prophets. Jesus said false prophets will be around. I'm telling you right now, false prophets are here during our day and age. We need to be careful of who calls themselves a prophet and self-proclaims themselves a prophet or who is glorified as a prophet from people. Jesus warned us. Am I saying there's no prophets? I'm not saying that at all. Part of the fivefold ministry has prophets in it. God said people will prophesy. So that I have no doubt in my mind that there are prophets in our day and age. What the doubt of the thing in my mind is is that when people self-proclaim prophet, I am prophet so and so, or hey, look there he is, prophet so and so. He's going to come to our church. Be very careful with what you say and who you think is a prophet. Let the Spirit of God move you on who that person is. One of the segments that you're going to hear about the Holy Ground experience, I go a little bit deeper into that. God wants to give us a significant uh, enhancement of the, the Holy Spirit from Him alone and not us. To sit here and look at somebody and say, you're not a prophet because the Holy Spirit tells me you're not a prophet. I feel it. There will be false prophets. There will be wars. Though they may seem overwhelming, it is not the end. It's in the Bible, Matthew 24, 6. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still yet to come. Earthquakes and famines and all signs are only the contractions of what's coming. It's in the Bible, Matthew 24, 7 through 8. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. What earthquakes is doing, it is telling us that things are starting to get worse. Just as birth pains, you feel the contractions. I tell you what, I'm not a woman. I've never had a baby, but I can tell you, my wife has. And I see how much pain she's in. The contractions get worse and worse and worse. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the earthquakes that God is speaking to us about. The earthquakes are going to happen. He says they will happen, but this is only the beginning to what is to come. We have had earthquakes in places that you have never dreamed. Big earthquakes in Oklahoma. Big ones. Later on in one of my messages in a later podcast, I'll explain to you a dream that I had about an earthquake. How it was so huge in the heart of the United States, here in Oklahoma and Kansas, that only that can come as a warning sign from God. A spiritual earthquake and a physical earthquake, I believe. Non-Christians will find it hard to believe we are living in the last days of Earth's history. It's in the Bible, 2 Peter 3, 3 through 3-4. First, I want to remind you that in the last days there will come scoffers who will do every wrong they can think of. That's in our day and age today, ladies and gentlemen. They will laugh at the truth. This will be their line of argument. So Jesus promised to come back, did he? Then where is he? He'll never come. Why, as far back as anyone can remember, everything has remained exactly as it was since the first day of creation. The coming of the Antichrist is a sign of the end. It's in the Bible. 1 John 2.18 Little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. Keep in mind, false prophets. By which we know that it is the last hour. What moral conditions will be characteristic of society in the last days? It's in the Bible. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of monies, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous. 
without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying his powder, having nothing to do with them. Paul says have nothing to do with those people who deny God's power but yet claim they are of God. Ladies and gentlemen, we are in the sign of the last days. Everything I have read to you is happening. You say, no, it's not happening. Well, you know what? What's the other signs of the last days that the Bible mentioned? It's in the Bible. Luke 21, 25 through 26, NIV. There will be signs of the sun, moon, and the stars on the earth. Nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. Men will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Talk of peace and safety are a sign of the last days. It's in the Bible. 1 Thessalonians 5, 2 through 3. For you know every very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief of the night. While people are saying... Peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. Here we see the labor pains again. We're leading up to the labor pains. The gospel will go into a whole new, a whole world and the end will come. It's in the Bible. Matthew twenty four fourteen, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. What are people to do when they see these things taking place? It's in the Bible, Christians. Ladies and gentlemen, fellow brothers and sisters, it's in the Bible. It says, so be prepared. For you don't know what day your Lord is coming, just as a man can prevent trouble from thieves by keeping watch for them. So you can avoid trouble by always being ready by my unannounced return. It's in the Bible, Luke twenty-one twenty-eight. Now when you see these things happen, look up and lift your heads. The end becomes near the solar eclipse on august 21st was followed by a hurricane hurricane harvey many of you remember that was on the 25th so if you look at august 21st put a coal in there put 25 and 26 and underneath that write down luke put a colon or i'm sorry luke 21 colon 25 and 26 and go to the Bible go to the Bible and I just read it to you there will be signs in the sun the moon and the stars the solar eclipse happened the sun it happened on August 21st and on the 25th the seas roared now the Bible could mean seas as in people but it's no coincidence to me that Luke 21, 25, and 26 happened on the August 21st, 25th, and 26th. Ladies and gentlemen, God is telling us that there are signs. As I was preparing when I did this sermon, God reminded me of a time that I almost quit. I almost quit, and somebody offended me at church, and I left, and I went home. And I told God, I quit. I'm done. I'm done. I'm over. It's over. I don't want to do it no more. And God kept putting this verse in my head, pounding it in my head over and over and over and over again. Oh, man, it was really got tiresome. Isaiah 40, 31. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So I told God, I'm not going back to church. We had two services that morning. I went to the first service to greet. That's where I got offended. And the next service we usually go to, church.
So I said, God, I'm done. God pounded that verse in my head, and here comes my wife, Sarah. She looks at me and says, are you ready to go to church? I said, I ain't going. She said, why not? So I just don't feel like going. I'm in a bad mood. I don't want to go no more. I'm done. I quit. I don't want to be there anymore. She didn't understand what happened. I know she didn't. She didn't know. Sometimes I don't talk about my feelings and how I feel and the things that I do. But at this point, I really didn't want to talk about it at all because I just got offended and I just didn't want to go. And I don't want to be forced to go. So I'm going to stomp my foot down like a little child and cross my arms and say, I'm done. Not going. Well, through the power of the Holy Spirit, she convinced me to go to church and through the verse that kept getting pounded through my head. So as we're driving back to church, I'm still upset and God kept pounding this verse in my head and pounding this verse in my head and pounding this verse in my head. Isaiah 40:31 all over. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And finally I'm like, God, you need to stop. I'm done with this verse. I'm done with you telling me this verse. I don't know what you're trying to tell me and I don't care. We get into church, and usually praise and worship opens up the doors of heaven. Well, for me, I blocked it. I was still in offense. I was still upset. I was still angry. And I put my foot down, crossed my arms, and I said, I'm not doing it, just like a little kid again. So when I did this, we sat down. We got to the message. The message had nothing to do with quitting. It had nothing to do with, with my situation or what I was going through. And I was like, yeah, okay, this ain't God talking to me now. I'm just hearing this voice because that's just me. Well, here's the thing. God's going to get your attention regardless. And what God is going to do is, is he's going to let you have your choice. He'll try to persuade you, but he's never going to go against your choice. Okay? Here's the thing that really got me. The altar call came, and I'm cool. I'm crossing my arms. I ain't want nothing to do with it. I'm listening to my pastor. Um, and... I, uh, he calls the altar call, and our altar team leader gets up, and he goes up to the front. He sets his Bible down in his chair, and um, he's up there, and he's ready for people to come pray, and nobody's coming up to him. Well, here's the thing. Me as a little kid having my thing and having my little temper tantrum, I look down, and I see this Bible cover. I see his Bible and the Bible cover on it, and here's, you will not believe what this Bible cover says. Isaiah 40:31 They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength they shall mount up with wings as eagles they shall walk or run and not be weary and walk and shall not faint At this time I said wow God you really got my attention this time So immediately the offense I dropped I went up to him and I said look man I and it was ordained because he wasn't praying with anybody I told him I said I am really Wanting to quit. I want to quit. I want to be done, but God is sitting here doing this. And see, the altar team leader didn't really sit here and um, pray with me. He spoke to me and spoke life into me. And as he was speaking to me, and as I lifted the offense and it was gone and I gave the forgiveness, I then heard God's voice again. It says, now that you're listening, that Bible cover that you've seen is the signs that I am showing you. Now that you paid attention to the signs, I can now show you the wonders and the miracles that are going to take place in the future. That people are going to see and you are going to spread my word to show them in a way that you're going to show them. The signs, wonders, and miracles are not just for yourself. They're for everybody. 
And you have just now seen the sign when you repented and opened up your heart of a Bible cover. I'm going to show you far more than that. And my people are going to know more than that. Signs are not for me. It's for his people, ladies and gentlemen. It's for you to see. So whenever you see signs in the heavens, thank God for what he's doing and thank you for what he has done. Thank you for the creation that he has created and thank you for the day that he's coming to get you. Keep your head up for your redemption is near. The signs that the Lord is showing for Christians is to be ready and to stay faithful and to stay obedient. The signs for the non-Christians is repent of your sins and come to me because I am being patient for you. I am being patient for you. Everything that I have told you today goes according to the Word of God. When I tell you that the Lord is being patient for people that are not saved, His Word says in 2 Peter 3.9, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some people understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. See, that actually goes with John 3.16, For God so loved the world that whosoever which is anyone. See, in 2 Peter 3, 9, it talks about he doesn't want anyone to perish. John 3, 16 says, Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God is waiting for everybody to repent. He is waiting for people to make the choice to come back to him. He is waiting for people who do not know him to make the choice to step into his light. He is waiting for us as God's people to take the gospel to those to give them a choice to receive it. If you're sitting on your couch and not sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, I encourage you to get up and go share the gospel of Jesus Christ. God is showing his signs. He's going to continue to show his signs. There's going to be more signs. Matter of fact, seven years from August 21st, they're already talking about another lunar solar eclipse. Exactly seven years later, in the Middle East. Seven years later. God's number. Ladies and gentlemen, the things happen in our nation today, the signs that are happening in our nation today, the turmoil, the chaos. Turn to God, the one who could turn chaos into order. When you see these signs, look up and don't say, oh, how spectacular that is. Look up and say, God, how gracious you are. Thank you for showing us that you're still there. You're on the throne. Thank you for giving us signs to look up to know that our redemption is near. Thank you, Father. I want to thank y'all for being with me today. Thank y'all for coming. Father God, thank you for these people. God, thank you for the word that you have given, Lord. Thank you for the signs, the wonders, and the miracles that you are showing to your people, God. You don't have to do that, but you do. So, Father, I'm asking that you bless everybody that listened today, God. Lord, I ask that whenever these signs, wonders, and miracles come, we could sit there, look to the heavens, and say, Lord, thank you so much, God, for what you did. Father, today I thank you for what you're doing, Lord, in the signs you know, that you did with Jonah and that you're doing with us, God. Father, I thank you for the time that you're giving us to take your word forth, Lord. As John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God, meaning your son, Jesus Christ, Lord. We could sit there and say, let your word go forth, God. Let Jesus go forth wherever we go. 
Father, I thank you for your word, God. I thank you for the blueprint of life. I thank you for your love, God, that you have for us. Father, I ask that you just bless everybody, allow your Holy Spirit to be around them, God. I ask that you minister to them in a way that you never have been before, God. Father, I thank you and I praise you, Lord, for what you're doing for your people and what you're doing for the people that don't believe, God. Thank you for being patient, Lord. Father, we thank you and praise you in your Son's name, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen and amen. Well, I want to thank you for being with me today and never forget that Jesus is real, Jesus is true, Jesus is the real truth. God bless you.